Hi there, welcome to episode 24 of SciChat. In this episode, James and I talk about imposter phenomenon. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. If you have any suggestions or comments, please send them to sitechat at omnisite.com or tweet to site underscore chat. Hi there, and welcome to episode 24 of Site Chat. This is Dr. Austin Tay, and I'm here with uh, today with me again is James Molly Kirk. Hi, James, how are you? Austin, I'm really well, thank you. A lot of our listeners must be wondering what happened to both of us? Why is it such a long time that we, we have uh, not had an episode? Well, both of us have been in transition, I guess. And uh, we found this is the right time that both of us are slightly kind of settled down and we decided to, to talk about uh, a particular topic today, which I think is, is quite interesting. Uh, both of us probably have experienced this. So this, this is a topic about imposter uh, phenomenon, right? Um, it has been talked about, you know, in the media, people felt that they, they, they are successful, but at the same time, they feel that they are suffering from all day they exhibit uh, this imposter phenomenon. Just as I normally do, uh, I'd like to give a definition first, if I may. So what is imposter phenomenon? Now, the imposter phenomenon was first described by Dr. Pauline Clance from her observation in a clinical setting. Now, um, individuals with the imposter uh, phenomenon, uh, they all experience intense feelings that their achievements are undeserved, and worry that they are likely to be exposed as a fraud. And all this caused distress and maladaptive behavior to those people uh, in, in her research there. Um, when I read this, this uh, definition, James, I was thinking to myself, whoa, this is sometimes what, how I feel, you know, <laughs> as, as a professional. Sometimes I go, am, am I actually that good? You know, am I... A fraud? Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. But you know, we were having this discussion before we recorded this. Um, I think it could be something that is very normal as human beings. We go through the kind of cycle of uh, rumination, cycle of thinking. But then it could be something that we, we can discuss a little bit further. How do we actually identify them? Who are the people who actually will suffer from that? And are there particular traits that we can identify? And what should we do about it? And I think we're going to end this podcast with perhaps some tips for our listeners uh, to deal with this imposter uh, phenomenon. Um, just just to add on, I mean, the next part here, you know, uh, with, with this research has been done by uh, uh, Dr. Ch- uh, Clance, uh, there are a couple of research that came out after that. And those people who kind of been classified as, as uh, uh, kind of exposed or, or suffer from imposter phenomenon would be... Uh, Professional women. Uh, one of the studies that was done by by her, uh, the Dr. Clance in, in nineteen seventy eight, uh, professional women were feeling that they were suffering from imposter phenomenon, and there are also uh, both genders, 
both affect uh, both genders in in this phenomenon. Uh, different op- occupations. Uh, I think the, the some of the research that we found uh, or I read is that the higher the person is in their professional uh, excellence, they are more likely to actually suffer or experience that uh, culture, and also people who um, likely to experience about seventy percent of. Uh, of people generally will experience at least one episode of imposter phenomena in their lives, right? So there's a lot of research there. So hearing that, James, what are your thoughts? Sorry, I'm chuckling. When he, when he said 70%, which I've seen that figure banded around, I've, I've no idea what it's based upon. Yeah. Um, I've not seen the research that says 70%. Um, but if it's 70%, the first time... When I saw it, I thought, well, then it must be normal human mm. existence. Mm. It's, it's not, which is why it, I noticed you not calling it syndrome, which I think is absolutely correct as well. Syndrome is a, a, a set of, you know, symptoms and so on. A phenomenon is, I think, is more, more correct um, that it's caused that way because it's a, it looks like, although the research was done on successful women back in 1978, 150 of them, which is all it was in 1978, when few women high performers were probably in the workplace. And it was, it was positioned as a, as a thing for women, uh, high performing women, um, which was already really interesting. Um, because if I, when I was looking into it in some of the popular stuff, people who claim um, to have this imposter sy- imposter syndrome, which is still often caused in the in popular press, press, you know, include people like Tom Hanks, um, Michelle Obama, Tony Robbins. These are hugely successful people, multi-million dollars, multi-whatever, everything. I mean, huge celebrities, incredibly intelligent and successful people who they say, well, sometimes I think I'm a fraud. And I'm thinking, well, if is it only then successful people who feel this and yet are still successful? So it's obviously that's why it's not a dysfunction. Yeah. It doesn't stop you from performing at all. And yeah. people who are not necessarily then highly functional don't feel it. So, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, if, if you're not hugely clever, if you're not hugely successful, do you not feel imposter syndrome? Yeah. If you're the hunter-gatherer, do you not feel that because you're busy hunter gathering and getting stuff on with your life? Yeah. Um, it's an in, is it just intellectual rumination <laughs> came across to my mind? Mm. That's it. it. It's it's just normal. So I found it a very interesting topic to explore. Yeah. Um, and I've enjoyed I've enjoyed doing so. Not not necessarily to debunk it, but to understand it. Yeah. Uh, both from the research history mm. um, and the desire of of course researchers to find something yep. that we should talk about. Yep. Um, and trying to get to the realities of it mm. psychologically, really, what what is this thing? Yes. Um, why do people, successful people, claim it? Yeah. Um, um, why is it not something that we talk about down the pub? Mm. <laughs> mm. So, what is it? And and how basically it seems to me like, if 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 this is a burden of success, especially people who are perhaps going into new environments and being challenged because they're unusual, they're, they're young, um, they're, they don't have all the experience or knowledge, so they feel like I'm a fraud. Why mm. do I deserve to be in the boardroom? Why do I deserve mm. to be in an operating theatre? Oh, my God, there were so many better surgeons than me. 
why am I chosen to do this? Um, you know, am I really qualified to take this you know, very high pressure legal case? Uh, <laughs> I've never done one. If if that's what it is, then how do we just yeah. how do we help people through these yeah. transitions? How do we help people, you know, come to terms with that they are actually very competent? Yeah, and not dwell on the negative side and the fear of failure which is again quite normal when you're dealing with high pressure high value staff well sure i mean it's interesting when you were saying about you know, all these uh, celebrities or very successful people seeing it they suffer or they experience imposter syndrome and the first thing that came to my mind was what's there for us then you know ordinary folks <laughs> where we yeah. might not be that successful will we be suffering from that too but as research shown there's no differences in terms of gender Everybody suffers from it. So what exactly it is? Is, is? is this something that is in our DNA? Is this something that is in our personality? Or is something that we can actually uh, circumvent it or not? So what, what exactly you know, is this impossible uh, phenomenon? Now, I also want to state very clearly in this podcast that we are not here to debunk it. We are not here to trivialize it. We are here to discuss the fact that what exactly is this phenomenon? Is it something that can be... Uh, um, uh, circumvented is this something that is perhaps you know we are talking about it's not a syndrome it's not clinical uh derived but it's probably a maybe a, a perspective issue here you know how do we reframe those those uh feelings that we have or the thoughts that we have uh so that we can actually not be uh, uh trapped by this whole concept of uh, imposter phenomenon I maybe mean, if i if i if i may i think one of the things that i was thinking right uh are there any particular uh, uh, individual, they are more susceptible to to uh, uh, imposter phenomena. Uh, maybe people who are a little bit more of a perfectionist, perhaps, because they want to do things hundred and fifty percent as compared to some other people. Would that be a factor that will kind of expose them or put them into that frame of mind that ooh, if I'm not good enough, I'm not perfect enough, I'm an imposter. And also the environment that they're in, uh, maybe in a, as you said earlier on, James, uh, especially in a work environment where a lot of pressure, a lot of competition, and if I'm not good as the last person that was in this role, does it mean that I'm actually an imposter? So I think this, these are also questions that a lot of, I think, our viewers, or rather our listeners, will be actually uh, uh, asking themselves too. And I think mm. the third point I was thinking to myself, uh, self-efficacy, you know, one of our psychological terminologies that we use, how good we think we are in terms of the work that we do. And that could be also mitigated by a lot of factors. The environment that we're in, the people that we are doing work with, the project per se, and our own resp uh, responsibility, right? Uh, whether we are a manager, we are a supervisor, or we're just an ordinary employee. I mean, and this, these are yeah, some of the factors. Yeah, and, and, and also the fact that the, you know, talking about the organization itself, the support system, whether the support system allow us to thrive uh, or maybe fail in the work that we mm. do, but still be recognized for, for our success. And, and I think that also touched on a little bit of what we were talking about, psychological safety in our earlier uh, episode. So I don't know, yeah. this, these are the things that I was thinking about. You know, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think there are, other factors that we could uh, identify? Well, they, uh, yeah, I think the first thing about the this, where it came from, this, the, the imposter phenomenon, they, how it's measured is, the, is perhaps the first starting point, and then we can look at what correlates to it. 
mm-hmm. especially in personality and so on. And, and it's almost uh, clear why then it's, you know, they're, they're, they're so common. Um, the, the measurement tends to be from the scale that was, was created by, uh, by Clanson Imes back in the 70s. It's the Clanson uh, Imposter Phenomenon Scale. Yes. 1978 or whenever it was 1985 it was produced um and it has three main factors i i understand i've not actually seen it i've not taken the questionnaire so i do apologize but apparently the three factors are fear of evaluation uh yeah in a competitive society that's pretty much what happens yeah um uh fear of not continuing success absolutely because if i don't i get fired i might lose my job get demoted uh that's reasonable as well uh, and fear of not being as capable as others. Duh. Mm, mm. <laughs> Again, high-pressure jobs in high environments with very clever people. Of course you're questioning that. I'm sure every astronaut thinks, am I as good as my colleagues? My colleagues are so brilliant. Why should I be here? So fear of evaluation, fear of continuing success, fear of not being as capable as others seem to be reasonable anxieties that most people would have if you're in a high-performing environment. Mm. It seems very reasonable to me. Yeah. So, so the first thing is what is it linked to? Yeah, there's some, some, some good studies on, I mean, what would we expect it to be linked to? Neuroticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big one. Yep. Um, I've seen various studies around for neuroticism and depression. The link is, you know, point, point four nine point point nine point four nine point six two. So pretty robust connections with, with uh, neuroticism. But of course, you're, you're, you're measuring anxiety, yep. fear of. Mm. So, of course, that's what neuroticism measures too. Yep. So you're measuring neuroticism. Um, is it linked with perfectionism? Yeah, they come out with links with perfectionism. Of course, perfectionism is, is typically neurotic-based. I'm, I'm needing to do things perfectly yep. so as to avoid consequences whatever those consequences I'm imagining are real or imagined. Um, so there's a neurotic element about perfectionism, which is why it's not just you know, being conscientious, it's being perfect, perfect, having things under control in an unrealistic expectations of, of controlling a situation for fear of, again, an expectation of what might happen. So it's reasonable that perfectionism is measuring very similar stuff that the imposter syndrome scale measures um so uh is there a is there a link then with conscientiousness yes there is it's it it seems to be around again the 0.4 area but again not not unlikely um but i've actually seen it i've seen i think a, a negative in conscientiousness as well as a positive um correlations because mm. some people would suggest that oh, it's the procrastinators who get this, or it leads to procrastination because of the fear of. Um, and of course, that could be a, 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 a flexibility negative uh, sort of conscientiousness trait as well. Um, but I'm not entirely sure about that, if that link has really been proven, mm. this procrastination is linked to it, it leads to procrastination. I don't know about that because mm. it's the high performers that do it anyway. And the high performers are producing great results. Yeah. So if they're never actually do it, procrastination is okay as long as you actually execute in the end. It's just yeah. the way of ruminating and working out the problem. Mm. Um, so uh, it seems to be the strongest link is, is neuroticism fundamentally. Yeah. Um, 
I did look at that some of the stuff you sent was really useful, but that home environment linked the idea, they linked it in earlier research, uh, again, 80s, 90s, about parental style. Right. And <laughs> that it's to do with, um, you know, unreasonable or a highly controlling and you know, tiger mothers and so on, just, you know, really troubling backgrounds. Well, no, there's really no, no clear evidence of that at all and in fact the studies that i could see were quite small studies with mm. undergraduates and so it's like there's no real depth to the mm. study here mm. but it sounds good but as far as i can see there's absolutely no strong of course a family background could contribute to some particular person's high anxieties or self-doubt yep. um, of a high-performing child that's been pressured you know uh, amazing young kids who, who who finally who are brilliant um academically and then buckle and it seems to be there idiosyncratic. That's a, a real case. It, as you said, it's a real issue for a particular person and it's linked to their upbringing, but that's not necessarily justifying mm. the imposter phenomenon. Yeah. Um, it's just a, an unfortunate case that's gone to an extreme and was linked to a parenting style. As we know, that that can have. The environment can have a very big impact. Yes. So in terms of those things, um, it, 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 the, the links to perfectionism, you know, because of doubts over 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 their abilities or concerns over mistakes seems absolutely normal because that's what they're measuring yep. is a fear of yep. normal stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, that that's what it seems to be, and that's what led to to the question of well, so really, what is this? Yeah. Is this is this basic latent anxiety that is reasonable mm. in people in who are under very challenging situations, especially if it's a new job, a new yep. change. Uh, undergraduates moving into their first job probably feel this you know yeah. why am i here mm. when i've got such experienced people uh young army officer i remember myself um you know you go in to take over a a, a, a platoon or uh, a troop mm. of hugely experienced people and you're in charge at 21 <laughs> what yeah it yeah. seems to be normal yeah but it's interesting you were saying that uh, early on about all this uh, research, uh, James, you know, in the 80s, related to the home environment, you know, immediately something came to mind. Not forgetting in the 80s where the society was moving very fast, right? Because mm. everybody was becoming more affluent. Technology was being introduced. <coughs> People were becoming a little bit more... Uh, 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 interested in work and, and there was a... Uh, uh, a concept of making money in the 80s. So more competition within the work environment. And that could be also translated to the fact that you were talking about home environment. If you do not uh, uh, succeed in the, your education, you're not going to have a better life because everybody was actually pursuing things like mm. that in the 80s. So I think when we look at research, as, as both of us as, as, as psychologists, we are very interested in research. Yes, it, it provides us some context on the, the topics that we talk about but we must also look at the context of how that particular research was done during the era in the 80s yeah. there was a lot of uh, money going around so there, there is obviously added pressure of you need to be better than something uh, someone else you need to be performing better than your, your, your colleagues etc et so the imposter syndrome is i think is a very natural phenomenon because of competition however if we kind of you know uh move forward to what we are today, you know, in 2021, is this imposter syndrome 
any different or rather imposter phenomenon any different from those that was in the 80s and now and we know not, not many research has been done in this way perhaps it in itself is a clue for all of us it is not as devastating as what we were uh, uh, led to believe because I think as what you, we were talking earlier on it could be a perception it could be the rumination of our uh, emotions our thoughts that create that imposter phenomenon you know that that uh, feeling of I'm not good enough uh, who, who holds the the benchmark here us the society the people we are comparing ourselves with or mm. the organization per se right and I think this is where again as I said we are not trivializing this 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 phenomenon we are saying <clears throat> let's be clear what are we actually talking about are we talking about a notion a concept that we have and therefore we enlarge that and it becomes an issue for us and then we feel that we are not adequate enough in our own expertise our own achievement this is where reframing is very important as, as we were talking about we need to look at hey it's okay we are human beings sometimes we think about good things sometimes we think about bad things should we let those negative thoughts and emotion you know take control of ourselves our lives if yeah. we do that then perhaps we will experience something like this and i, I yeah. think it's interesting to if I could jump in with something just to, to reiterate what you're saying it was a lady um firstly yeah, i would absolutely agree there are some people who feel shame and guilt mm. to such an extent and their, their anxiety is so so great in this matter that despite their obvious validated confidence a competence they feel like the next step is going to be disaster that is problematic yeah. that affects well-being that is core self-esteem issues and of course that is serious um, uh, and that may once that's unpicked at the individual's level there may be many factors um, that have created that sense whether it focuses around the sense of guilt and shame of having what they've got or being where they are um, it's most likely to be many factors that are not just this imposter phenomenon yeah. actually it's just part of the feeling of it mm. so this is why it correlates so strongly with self-esteem so you know, yep. those at the extremes of it have very low self-esteem and mm. that's the, the reasons for that can be multiple and of course family and in personality and so on so not trivializing it by any means yet this general idea of it should be dealt with because mm. There's a lady called Valerie Young who, who runs a company, uh, I think for 30 years she's focused on imposter syndrome, mm. impostersyndrome.com she runs, <laughs> and she's done TED Talks and so on. And she, she comes to the idea that um, the, the people who, when she runs seminars, you know, people will come into the, into the room feeling, because they're there because they feel like they're imposters or that's how they want to express their, their, their sense of anxiety. Mm. And... Uh, at the end of, the, uh, of her talk, she gives them 10, 10, 10 tips to, 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 to help them. And um, then at the end, or with feedback, they, she says, the funny thing was, they always ask me, um, can you tell me another tip? Can you give me some more advice? And she goes, well, have you done any of those things that I suggested? No, but can you give me some more advice? And she, she came to the idea that those who want to feel like imposters want to feel that way. They, uh -huh. they can't get rid of the feeling. 
Uh, and she said, oh, the funny thing was, ultimately, she says, it's not the feeling that's going to go. It's the thinking that has to change first. Yep. You've got to change the thinking first, and then the feeling will follow in the end. Mm. But if you just want to get rid of the feeling, that ain't going to happen quick. No. But then she goes, you know, look, no one likes to fail. No one likes to face new challenges. No one likes to not know the answer. No one likes to have to, you know, compete with very impressive colleagues. But that's how it is. He says, if, if you want to feel confident 24-7 about your ability to do your job, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she says after 30 years dealing yeah. with the case. She says, that's it. She says, yeah. the, you know, it's not nice to feel shame. Um, but the issue is that non-imposters feel fine with all those things about challenges in life and, and, and not knowing the answer. Non-imposters mm. don't have an issue with it because mm. they think differently. Yeah. They just don't see it as, my God, I'm going to give a speech. I'm going to be yeah. found out in my speech. She says, no, that's just my nerves. Yeah. I'm nervous because no one wants to mess up in front yeah. of their colleagues or important yeah. people. Yeah. That's nerves. Every actor feels the same. I'm not yes. worthy being here. I'm yep. going to mess up. You're going to find out that I'm not a good actor this yep. time. Yep. That you reframe that into, well, my body is telling me to get ready because this is important. Mm. Mm. Non-imposters don't, don't have to get lost in the rumination. Yeah. And so it is that limiting, it, it is just one of those limiting self-beliefs that if, if you let run out, if the horse starts to run, drag you away with it, yeah, you can get lost in that sense of guilt yeah. and shame. You can, you can do so, but it's, it is quite normal. Yeah. Um, that's what humans in challenging societies sometimes have to feel like. Yes, yes. And especially when we, we, we are uh, all kind of model within the society to be feeling always to look at the negative part of ourselves yeah. first, yeah. then naturally yeah. being, as what you said, to have the f sense of suffering from uh, imposter phenomenon, it makes us feel good. It makes us feel human to, to, to have that. Yeah. Because if not, then I'll be very awkward because this is not conforming. I mean, this is a bit of social psychology conforming to the status quo. But we need to feel to be a bit more broken in order to feel more human, I guess, the way to put it. But I, I think it is important for human beings to also realize that sometimes we don't need to go to that particular uh, route there. We can come back to celebrate what we have. I think yes. this, this is a very good way to perhaps kind of end, end, end this podcast with on a positive note, I think. Some of, some of the uh, uh, kind of uh, tips that we can all look at in terms of when we come to that stage of Maybe we are adopting our own capabilities. Why are we feeling negative about certain things? Mm. A couple of things we can look at. Maybe first one. And I think if I can just, just add in sure, sure. The, the, the consequence, I mean, we, as we said before, some people really do feel this. And the people who do are very, very good people. Mm. Very mm. capable people. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst consequence of this, if we can't acknowledge that some people feel it and that these anxieties are real, then they really can limit very yeah. bright people. Some yep. of our brightest might not share their ideas, might not get that you mm. know, opus done, mm. might not write that book um, because of these, these pressures they feel. Yeah. Um, you know, might not step into the surgery. And, and that's not what we want. We want our brilliant people to be brilliant. We want their yeah. lights to shine. Yeah. We want the great stuff done. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's, um, we need to find ways to make sure that 
you know, we can help each yeah. other. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And and, 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 you know, and one other point before I go on some of the tips there. Um, sometimes it's good to feel uh, you're not good enough because that can spur us to go, okay, what else can I do to become better in, in my field, mm-hmm. to develop ourselves? Uh, rather than just taking the negative uh, strand of it. So, oh, yeah, because I'm not good enough, therefore this is... And I think human beings are very good at associating things that are not related, but then we kind yeah. of make it even bigger than it, it appears to be. So going back to um, some of the factors, you know, some, some of the uh, maybe uh, tips here. First, I mean, when we feel negative uh, or we feel that we're not good enough, perhaps it's good as human beings for us to take a step back and look at how, where, and, and why are all these feelings coming? You know, uh, why, why are we feeling that way at all? Uh, are there reasons for that negative emotions and thoughts? Then that could be something that we could uh, deal with and mitigate. And then that could reduce the sense of uh, feeling, um, you know, imposter phenomenon there. Second thing, I think when we f- feel that way, human beings are also kind of uh, uh, trained very wisely never to talk to other people about it because it's a shame thing as what James was saying, you know, if I discuss something to someone else, then they will find out about how not good I am. Isn't that embarrassing? I think this is where, again, we are so conformed. Uh, we were not trained to, to conform with the status quo society and not talk about feelings. I know I, I don't want to sound kind you know, let's, let's, let's be very uh, fuzzy about it, but I think sometimes it's good to talk about it and understand where it comes from and then we can address it rather than just bottle it up because bottling up will only exacerbate your sense of imposter phenomenon. Um, thirdly, obvious one is celebrate your success. You know, we are where yeah. we are. I think it's very important. Uh, as I said, when we started talking about this uh, earlier part of the uh, uh, podcast here, I said, oh, I suffer from, from imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon too because sometimes I still pinch myself whether I am good enough to talk about certain topics. But then yes, it's where our mind has led us to that negative spot. Sometimes we just need to go, you know what? Hey, I'm here. I've done that. Those are my success. We need to take uh, responsibility and recognize that. And I think most of us don't do that enough, right? Because we can't gravitate to the negative bit of our, of our lives. Yeah. I think that is very important to celebrate your success. Um, we talked about perfectionism earlier on, uh, how to be... Uh, reducing that because that leads to neuroticism. So perhaps we could think about what does 100% mean to us, right? Someone else will have a different uh, benchmark there. It doesn't matter. If I've done my best within the context, within the, the, the work that I do, that is good enough. Of course, reality is that within a, a, a environment of an organization, there will always be <coughs> excuse me, certain KPIs that you need to reach to, but we have to do our best. Right, and if your best is ninety-five percent, that's it. You know, you cannot push yourself because we all know when we try to be uh, overly perfect, we start suffering from stress, burnt out, etc. And I think that will only add on to the uh, sense of imposter phenomenon. So don't do that. Just let let go of perfectionism. Um, one of the things that I quite like is because human beings are all trained to be very upward looking. Right? We, we, we don't want to let people know who we are. We can't cover ourselves. We don't show a lot of compassion towards ourselves. And I think self-compassion is very important to realize that it is okay that I'm not 
fulfilling 100% of perfection. It is okay that I make mistakes. Obviously, with the context of organization, if we have a safe environment for people to make mistakes, organizations should also support that and celebrate the success of the individual. So it's, it's okay to feel that you are not going to be doing everything perfect all the time. So self-compassion is important, uh, I think. And and lastly, what you, you said earlier on, James, uh, is we, we all don't accept that this is part of who we are as human beings, a, a process. You know, we are going to be feeling not so great today, tomorrow we'll be feeling great because of different things. So I think accepting that this is part of the process and not let yourself ruminate too much about the negative uh, thoughts and emotion. Um, slowly we'll be able to, you know, see the see the light and, and, and uh, be more positive towards the, the, the way we approach our work and also uh, our lives, I think. And I think this is very important uh, to highlight to our uh, listeners here some of the tips. Obviously, this is not the, the only only uh, tips. If you have found any other tips that will help you in, in any way to mitigate the imposter phenomenon, uh, let us know. Do share with us. Uh, we're happy to also share with the rest of our listeners. So that that's that's what I think will be some of the tips. Any any other uh, uh, tips from your side or any last words from 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 you, James? They were the nice nice ideas. No, they resonated by a lot of advice out there as well on it you know, that self-acceptance um positive self-talk sharing mm. and, and discussing it with other people mm. so that you're not alone it's just it is normal yeah. it is good to talk about sometimes yeah um you don't have to be brilliant every day but of course you are good that's why you're there exactly. <laughs> um and i think um uh you know reminding oneself of of, of, of why you're doing things that's what's intrinsically motivating about those tasks why you're there the purpose you're there for it can push you through that little anxiety that little anxiety i'm not sorry i don't mean that it can be very light anxiety i think for managers um just the idea to remember that when people are put into high challenging environments new promotions and so on um or for for, for students you know just joining university, even any any big change, that's when people need support to allow their brilliance to shine. The, if anxiety can smother confidence, of yeah. course, it's the opposite corollary of it, or the opposite of it. So, uh, mentoring, coaching, supporting, recognizing, rewarding—you know—is it, very important to do. If you want brilliant people to shine, help them overcome their own anxieties that are just normal when they're faced with big tasks, new tasks, um, or very high pressure, high, high octane sort of environments. Yep. Support, acknowledge um, uh, is, is what managers should do if you want the brilliance of your people to shine. Yeah, definitely. Those are good words, uh, good advice there. Well, with that, we, we have to uh, come to the close of our, our podcast. Um, as usual, if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, uh, and have any suggestions or comments, please send an email to us or site chat at omnisite.com or you can tweet to site underscore chat. Mm-hmm.